Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey folks, welcome back to the Husker Big Red Podcast. I'm Chris Peterson and this is Danny Gillette, my co-host as always, and it's Monday. Um, we uh, obviously only had one episode last week. I had uh, some day job requirements, was covering a state basketball tournament uh, here in Montana, where I'm from, along with uh, our punter, um, so Brian Buschini. So um, we're back this week and uh, obviously, you know, the first topic of conversation is uh, Nebraska basketball. The season is officially over. We uh, haven't had an episode since, you know, the Big Ten tournament with the loss to minnesota um if you missed it nebraska was not selected for the nit even though they were you know eligible to go they were even projected to go by um you know one of the most prominent nit bracketologists that was like the one pick that he missed but the huskers did not make it and uh, i guess we'll just start there danny um to kind of incorporate that last game into this question too but was it was it fair or not for nebraska basketball to be uh, left out of the nit um, you know, I think it was because there were some winnable games um, earlier in the season that they should have maybe won that they just didn't take care of business. And, um, you know, I think although they had that strong stretch towards the end of the season, I think they needed a little bit of a more solid resume. I mean, even just that that Michigan State loss at the end of February really, really stands out. And um you know, I'm not going to say one game was make or break for the NIT, but when I think back on recent games, you know, that was one that could have certainly changed their fortune. And, you know, although we would have liked to have seen additional basketball, you know, I think, you know, I always thought personally that they needed to win at least two games in the Big Ten tournament in order to make the NIT. So, I mean, I think at the, I think at the end of the day, it was fair. They had a good stretch at the end, but they just – didn't do enough in terms of winning at the beginning of the season until it was too late. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I mean, I wanted them to be in the NIT. I was hoping that it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought they had an outside chance to get like that, you know, one of the bottom seeds, but it's not, you know, this isn't the NIT of 20 years ago. Like we said, small conference champions, the regular season champ gets that guaranteed berth. So there's really not a ton of at large berths and it's, it's really, it's difficult to make the field. You have to have a quality resume and Nebraska's resume took a pretty big hit. I mean, when they lost to Minnesota that they did not have a bad loss, you know, a loss of like a, a quad three loss. And that Minnesota was by far the worst loss of the season. And, so I think with just with the, some of the other teams, you know, that ended up, you know, I mean, Washington State made it with like 17 and 15. Michigan had a record that was similar to that. So Nebraska, I just think they needed another win or two. They, they may have needed to beat, um, you know, Maryland in that second round, too. And I think just, you know, losing to Minnesota, it just it dinged the resume enough. They did. However, I mean, they had a lot of impressive wins over teams that made the tournament. But, uh, you know, like Wisconsin and um Let's see, Rutgers, you know, those wins maybe weren't quite as good. You know, those teams didn't make the field. So I can I can understand why they didn't make it. And I still think that it was a successful season. I mean, 16 and 16, they didn't have a losing record for, you know, the first time of the Hoiberg era. So, I mean, that that was a positive. So at the end of the day, as, as much as it bums me out that we don't get to see them play another game, I, I do think that it was probably fair where they ended up. Yeah, and, you know, I do think that, it was still, like you said, a successful season. They did better 
than I thought that they would do at the beginning of the year. And, you know, now it's about, you know, who is going to stay, you know, what's the turnover going to be like, you know, can they keep Kisi Tominaga is my main question. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they've already reached out to a couple players in the portal, so they're already looking uh, to fill to fill holes here. And, you know, I think as much as, you know, it's been an up and down tenure for Fred Hoiberg, now that he's made it to 17 and 16 with, you know, players that were impactful uh, from the transfer portal and guys like Walker, Greasel, Bandamel, and Gary before they got hurt, I mean, now I think the bar's been set a little bit. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect at least a 500 record. Um, you know, I think coming into next season, and I'm sure we'll get into this more down the road, but I think, you know, Fred needs to have a winning 2023-24 uh, season or at least make the NIT because, you know, as great as this season was and as much progress as they showed, it's, you know, kind of ironically like the basketball schedule itself this year. There hasn't been enough impressive wins in order to you know warren fred coming back and i'm not you know putting him on the chopping block i'm just saying that there's a bar that's been set now and you know i expect the program to at least be at 500 for next year because there's no reason not to quite frankly yeah i agree with that and especially when you consider you know all the things that Nebraska's invested in the basketball. I mean, they could invest more in the basketball program, and we've talked about that. But I think that Trev Alberts has shown he's pretty willing to, you know, do what's necessary to win. And so I I would like to see, you know, some more, you know, basketball staff and, and maybe some more investment in the recruiting side of things. And we've talked about the NIL thing, too, because it, in the transfer portal in college basketball, it can be a big deal That's because with basketball, there's not as many key players to add. You know, in, in football, there's hundreds and hundreds of guys. And, you know, with basketball, there's only so many people that can come in and, and be a starter and an impact starter for, you, you know, there's so many, so many uh, you know, Sam Greasels out there. And Nebraska is going to have to try to hit on a couple of those guys. I do feel good about, you know, like Eli Rice coming in as a, a freshman. He, you know, took a prep year at IMG, you know, faced a lot of really good competition and has looked pretty solid. And I feel like he has an opportunity to make a pretty early impact next season, but they're going to have to find a big guy. They've, you know, talked with a couple. And, but like you said, the biggest question surrounding this program is what's going to happen with Tominaga. Is he going to come back? Um, I hope he does. My, I'm kind of resting my hope with the fact that, you know, he has a dream of playing in the NBA. I think that's part of the reason he came to Nebraska in the first place. And that's still the best path for him if that's what he wants to do. If if he is, you know, ready to take a big money contract and go to Japan, like it's going to be hard for Nebraska to compete with that. But if the NBA is his dream, then Nebraska is the best place for him to try to reach that. And at this point in Fred Hoiberg's tenure, it should take one player to completely collapse a program. And so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I think that if they have to recruit and prepare like he is going to leave and hope he comes back because, you know, I think they need to I think they need to make sure that they can, you know, find some sort of foundation for next season should Tominaga leave. I mean, we saw it a little bit, you know, Sam Hoiberg, you know, Denham Dawson, Lawrence, I think is going to be massive whether Tominaga stays or not. I was really, really impressed with his development but um you know it's going to be interesting to see i mean you know and i'll just say it again i think lawrence is going to be a major major piece of what they do next season yeah i agree and so when i look at it i mean lawrence 
I expect obviously to fully be back and he's going to be, he's going to play a starring role. I think, yeah, whether, you know, Tominaga is back or not, but, you know, Gary should be back, um, you know, Juwan Gary and, you know, he was going to be, a, you know, I would, I would assume as long as he's healthy, you know, he's going to be starting in that four spot. I think that, you know, that just makes a lot of sense, you know, with the guy who can shoot and rebound and he can guard, you know, because four guys aren't always like that post-up player anymore. And, and you need kind of a versatile defender because if you you have an oversized four, then teams will take advantage of you with that like six, eight guy, you know, kind of like uh, oh, the guy at Minnesota, Jamison Battle, or yeah, I'm not sure if that's a correct on his last name. But anyways, he's just yeah, a good example right. of, yeah, yeah, like, you know, somebody like that. Um so you know Gary obviously so they they're they're going to need a big a center you know they've got I mean you know Blaze Kate I think has a chance I just don't know if his offensive game is developed enough to where you can say that's a guy that can play 30 minutes a night he's probably I better agree. off playing like 17 you know yeah. um same with Brian Bach I I just haven't seen enough from him to say I trust him to play 25 30 minutes as a starter um now he could <laughs> develop into I feel that. About it. yeah we've <laughs> not, but yeah now that could change, you know, that, but so far, you know, Nebraska and, and he's just, there's no role for him. The four no. would be his best spot. So, I mean, honestly, Breidenbach and, uh, you know, Kate, I think are fine as the backups, you know, at the four and five position, you know, those guys can give you solid, solid minutes like they did this year, but you need to find a starting center. And then if, if, Tomonaga comes back, then I think you would have a, like a three guard lineup again with uh, Lawrence and then Tomonaga and then whoever they get, you know, in the transfer portal. Because I, I do think that they need to find a point guard in the transfer portal. Yeah, and that's not a bad lineup at all. I mean, that really is not a bad lineup, and mm-hmm. I think honestly, not not even to you know dog on him or make fun of him, but I really do think Breidenbach needs to find out what type of player he is, and then once he finds out whether he's, you know, a shooter or, a, you know, post player, then I think that will help everybody involved. Because I do think he does have some skill. I mean, he does have hustle. He, you know, he gets some rebounds and plays hard. I just, you know, sometimes he looks like a chicken with his head cut off out there. So, I mean, as long as he finds a role or finds his game, you know, this upcoming season, you know, I'm, will, I'm you know, definitely willing to give him another shot as if I have to say in all this. But, I mean, <laughs> as a fan, I'm definitely willing to give him, you know, another chance. He's just so frustrating because he was a four-star recruit. You know, he was a very highly rated recruit. and Yeah, top 100. Yeah, you just, you just haven't seen anything from him. So I think his development is going to be an interesting storyline to watch uh, for next uh, fall as well. Yeah, they need to find a, a good role that suits him. And um, he needs to shoot the ball more consistently you know that's a big thing and he did have a stretch this year where there was like a five or six game stretch where he was averaging like eight or nine points i remember touching on it in one of my post game takeaways but then it was he fell right off a cliff again so i mean his first step is just being you know consistent enough to play like 15 to 20 minutes a night and not get like three fouls in five minutes i mean that's one of the things he, he tends to do and it's like you know, yeah, every foul doesn't hurt you, but every foul does get you closer to the bonus. And teams that win consistently, and these these games in the Big Ten are, are super close. And the teams that win, they don't foul and they don't turn the ball over. And I mean, it's it's like I know that doesn't sound that complicated, and there's more that goes into it than that. But those are two pretty basic things that you can do as a basketball team to put yourself in a winning situation. And it doesn't help when, like you said, Brian Box out there with looking like a chicken with his head cut off fouling people. You know what I mean? So he's got to get that under control too and play good defense without drawing fouls. 
Well, well, he either wants to be the next Larry Bird or the next Shaquille O'Neal. He can't figure <laughs> out what he wants to try to do. But, you know, truthfully, I think some of it stems from his injuries. You know, I think when I look at, you know, the 2021-22 season when he suffered the injury in December, I thought he was turning the corner, you know, last year, like that season. And then the injury kind of set him back. So I think, you know, in order to find consistency, he just, has to stay healthy and sometimes and this is not a guy's fault you know sometimes you know the injury bug bites them so i just hope he can stay healthy and kind of have confidence and you know find a find a role to suit him because he was just he he frustrates me to no end but i understand there's so many factors in play for him and i really do hope he succeeds and you know finds his game because you know the player that I see on the high school tapes is not the player I quite frankly see at Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, you know, another, um, you know, talking about highly rated recruits and a guy, you know, like I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with uh, Ramel Lloyd. You know, he was actually Nebraska's highest rated recruit in the last class. And, um, you know, I believe he ended up redshirting. I don't think he played this year. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens with him, um, you know, if, if Casey does leave, you know, he's a six, six wing and, you know, a guy that was a four-star recruit. So, I mean, he could be a, a guy that's potentially, you know, in the mix, but I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. Like with Jamarcus Lawrence, a guy that's barely, you know, ranked inside the top 200 to come in and, and make the impact that he did, you know, at the end of the season. So that was a really good find by Fred Hoiberg because there's honestly guys that were ranked, you know, much higher in the top 100 that didn't have the type of impact that he did. So, um, you know, that, that was a big time get, I think. And um, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Blaze, Blaze Cato looking back was the number one, uh, you know, Juco center, you know, when Nebraska signed him. So, I mean, his, his development could, you know, kind of take a step forward. And I mean, yeah, worst case scenario, you could have him and Brian Box, you know, splitting minutes at center. It's not like that would be, the worst thing ever, but it, I, it, uh, I mean, it would be a big drop off from Derek Walker, you know, I well, mean, no anything is going to be, so I don't think it's fair to come like, and, and, and well, I'm not no, saying you're but, doing that, but like for yeah. fans in general, like to expect him to be Derek Walker is, is, is pretty crazy. But I think he's another guy that is kind of confused on what his game is. I like his energy. I like his hustle, kind of like Breidenbach, but like the center position uh, and, you know, that kind of power forward big man position is taking a huge hit when Walker goes. And some of these guys are going to have to step up. And I have questions about whether they can do it, but I hope they prove me wrong. Yeah, and hopefully Fred can, you know, I mean, he's he's been pretty successful over the years in the transfer portal. And I feel like they have, you know, momentum. And look, it's a it looked fun playing for Nebraska last year, basketball. I mean, the, the stadium is packed, you know, the fan, the passion or the fan base is extremely passionate and they've got some kind of uh, predefined roles where you could step in. I mean, you know, you, you saw what Sam Griesel did last year, you know, for Fred Hoiberg and whether he's going to play professionally or not, he definitely improved his stock and he could at least play, you know, in Europe or whatever. Um, so I think if I was, you know, in the transfer portal, you know, I think that's something to take into consideration and Hoiberg's coached in the league and he's sent a lot of guys to the league, you know, from his time at Iowa state. So I think Nebraska should be able to attract, you know, at least a couple of, of guys and, but it depends, you know, it's there's a there's a huge difference between, you know, a top end portal guy and, and kind of a middle range guy, you know, and like one example, 
that stands out to me, you know, as a with my Michigan ties or whatever, is that you know Michigan was going to try to get a Terrence Shannon in the transfer portal, ended up being an All Big Ten player for at, for Illinois, ended up going to Illinois, and instead they they missed on him for you know a number of reasons, and they got Joey Baker from Duke, who wasn't very good. So I mean, it's like one one guy's an All Big Ten player, one guy ended up playing like fourteen minutes a game. So that's the you know that's kind of the difference you can see in the transfer portal at times. Although, you know, I do think there has been a lot of recent success to point to, you know, why fans should feel confident about, you know, this mm-hmm. team going in the transfer portal. We have, you know, Fandomel, Gary, Walker. Remember, he came from Tennessee, it seems like 10 years ago now. But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Greasel. So, you know, Nebraska has been, you know, pretty solid, honestly, in the portal. So I wouldn't mind them going that route. And I'm not afraid of them going that route. I just, you know, to me... I, we need to find a point guard that kind of plays like Greasel because he was, you know, he, you know, looked for teammates, you know, passed the ball, but also was not afraid to shoot. And, you know, he didn't really play hero basketball. He made the other players on um, on the floor around him better. And I think that's the mark of a good point guard. And I know it's not easy to find, you know, what you're looking for specifically in the transfer portal, but, I definitely think there's, you know, qualities from Greasel that Nebraska should look for uh, if if they, you know, elect to go the portal route. One thing that's going to be difficult to replace about Sam Greasel or that kind of made him unique for Nebraska was his size and how they used him defensively because Nebraska had kind of a, you know, when you when you think about like, you know, Tomanaga and uh, Lawrence, those guys aren't that tall, you know, so defensively that could put Nebraska, you know, I mean, Lawrence is 6'3". I want to say Tomanaga is 6'4". Could be wrong on that. He might be even shorter than that. But it kind of puts Nebraska at a little bit of a disadvantage. So, I mean, like you saw, Greasel at times had to eat. There was many times where he wasn't guarding the point guard because, you know, he had to guard, you know, a bigger 3'4 guy. And so that's one thing if Nebraska is not able to find you know, and I don't think they're gonna find a guy like that because I think Greasel's like six seven. I could be wrong on that too. I know he's six six range, but what that you know, most point you know, if your point guard's like six two or something, and then you've got Lawrence and Tomanaga, I mean that's a that's a pretty small three guard lineup and you know it could be really great for scoring, but defensively, you know, there might be some concerns there. And, you know, that's where you have to look at doing different things defensively, zone defenses and stuff. But just one thing I wanted to point out about Sam that's that's going to be hard for Nebraska to replace is how they were able to kind of move him off the point guard and match him up with other bigger players at other positions. And I've said this 500 times, but I really wish we had him for, you know, one more season. You know, yeah. I I uh, said the same thing about Trey Palmer, too, in football. So, yep. you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And also, you mentioned defense. I think Derek Walker played bigger than he often was. And I think that's going to be tough to replace, too, as well. Not so much in terms of defense but in terms of grit and the physicality he brought to the game he was kind of a bit of a throwback in a in you know a shooting game now he was you know that gritty you know defender and so I think you know Nebraska's gonna miss that as well because he did bring an edge and a sort of you know you know physicality to the game that really kind of gave opponents fits and he got in foul trouble sometimes for it but you know that was a part of his game that he really kind of hung his hat on and it worked yeah, yeah, they are going to have to, you know, he's going to be tough to replace. And I do think he's going to be playing uh, professional basketball somewhere. Um, so, you know, 
I would like to see that. And yeah, I wish we had another year for, with both of those guys, but uh, you know, lots of questions for Nebraska basketball and, you know, we'll keep addressing that in the future. I think the next month or so is going to be pretty important in terms of, uh, you know, what happens with some of these decisions players do have, you know, a bit of time before they, you know, declare for the draft. What I hope this is my ideal scenario for Nebraska is that Casey Tominaga, um, basically stays but puts his name into the nba draft you know evaluation process not i don't think he's going to get drafted so you know if that happens don't freak out it just basically it gives him a chance to figure out where he is because look if he wants to go to the nba that's what he needs to do come back declare for the draft you know go through that process see where he's at withdraw his name in may and then go full forward you know next year at nebraska so hopefully that's what happens but uh, i want to switch gears just a little bit to uh you know some recruiting danny i know um i haven't you know, been quite as up on the recruiting use as you are, but it looks like Nebraska, you know, continues to add, uh, you know, key players to, you know, that March visit weekend uh, coming up on the 25th. So just uh, kind of give us an update on what's going on with that. Well, the big one for me is David Hall. I mean, he's been a guy that's been on my recruiting board for quite a while, wide receiver. Uh, you all know who he is, or a lot of you know who he is because he's been a highly rated recruit. So he's scheduled to come and then, the Bra- and then they have a running back that is going to come on March 24th and 26th, whose name I am completely blanking on right now. Um, but he's got offers from Alabama, Auburn. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have to look him up here in a second. But, you know, there's just more visitors added to that, you know, March 25th. Uh, Pey- is it Peyton Lewis? Yeah, that- Peyton Lewis. There we go. Peyton Lewis. I mean, he's not ranked in, you know, the 24-7 sports composite or – whatever, but I mean, he's got Boston College, you know, Penn State, uh, Alabama, Auburn. So he's an up-and-coming player, and he's going to come to Lincoln during that time frame. And, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of visitors coming, and, you know, I'll be interested to see what comes of it because, you know, we've talked about it a lot over the past couple of weeks, but it just seems like there's more names every day, and I'm excited that the staff is continuing to keep tabs on Hall. I know Hall was, you know, a big Mickey Joseph recruit, and, you know, he's a guy to me that I think is extremely important because we have a lot of wide receivers, but when you look at, you know, in-state talent, having, you know, Jalen Lloyd and Hall on the same team would be wonderful for recruiting in the state. And, you know, Hall's a speedster and Hall's a deep threat. So, you know, I think I think that would definitely be a promising sign for uh, Nebraska football moving forward. And I'm trying to think um, the Missouri receiver, whose name I'm blanking on right now, four-star receiver. Ryan Wingo. There we go. He's coming. And yep. so uh, the program offered him, I believe – at the end of January, I know Matt Rule was in Missouri at the end of January visiting him. Uh, it seems like they want to make Missouri a priority area, which is good. And, you know, again, I love Wingo. Same type of deal. Uh, deep threat. Uh, speedy can run after the catch. Crisp route runner. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are probably getting bored of seeing my visit articles. But, A, there's not a ton to write about in the way of football right now. <laughs> and, B, um, you know, I think these visits, you know, it's important to note, you know, the, the caliber of talent coming in because it shows the work of the staff and, you know, who knows what will happen on that weekend. But at the very least, you know, these types of players are getting to 
come see the campus. So, you know, that's that can only, you know, mean good things moving forward. And it shows that we have a coaching staff who is serious about recruiting. Yeah, and when you look at that weekend, um, you know, right now, according to On3, Nebraska has 19 recruits set to visit, you know, mar- that March 25th weekend. So um, 11 guys out of that 19 are, are rated as four-star recruits, according to, you know, the On3 industry rankings. And f- um, four of those guys are ranked in the top 53. You've got Rayola, um, Williams, Noari, the five-star defensive mm-hmm. tackle, Wingo, um, Nigel Smith, another D lineman. Yeah, and then good. you've and then you've got two others in the top 50, uh, top 150, excuse me, and Carter Nelson um, and Andrew Sprague. And Nebraska happens to be leading with the recruiting prediction machine with both of those guys. Guys, uh, Gatlin Bear is ranked 153. Uh, that's a big visit. You know, I absolutely love that kid. Um, I would love to get his commitment. He's like one of the probably if I had to make a you know list of you know my top five targets that I would love Nebraska to land in 2024, he'd be he would make the cut. Honestly, he's that. I think he's that good of a player. And the fact that he's in the state of Idaho, it's very much like Nebraska, underrated in terms of you know recruiting rankings. So. Um, you know, and then getting guys like, you know, Hall that you mentioned, um, you know, Caleb Benning, McMorris. I mean, they're just they're getting all, all the key guys from the state and a lot of elite talent from elsewhere. You know, and it's the thing that makes it so promising, I think, is, you know, you can say, yeah, it's just a visit weekend or blah, 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 or whatever you want to say. But Matt Rule and this staff, at least from what we've seen so far, and it's, you know, recruiting, they're still very early in their tenure. But when they get kids on campus, their hit rate tends to be pretty high. So, I mean, even if this. If you look at this list and they hit on even 30% of this list, you know, if they get six commitments that's out of still pretty good, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we'll be feeling pretty damn good about our recruiting class. So I, I, that's why, you know, it's important to get these visits because, you know, when we get the visits, when this rule staff gets the visits, they tend to, you know, make hay with them and it can lead to a commitment. Or even if, even if this visit leads to an official visit down the road, you know, we know what that means for Nebraska football. So it, it is a big deal. It definitely is a big deal, and it also kind of gives, you know, it's it's kind of like you have 19 kids on campus. I don't know, Dylan Rayola wants to play with Kyron Nelson. Maybe Kyron Nelson, you know, wants to go to Nebraska. They start talking, and, you know, things happen, you know, something like that. And, you know, it's just exciting to think about because, like you said, even if we land on 30% of those recruits, I would still be absolutely thrilled. <laughs> So, (laughs) I mean, mean, it's nice to be able to feel confident in the recruiting direction, uh, feel like Nebraska has a plan, get quality talent and focus on keeping kids in the state of Nebraska. And it's also good to see that, you know, there were a lot of recruits that, you know, the previous staff worked on, so to speak. And it's good to see this coaching staff following up with that and not losing the connections with guys like Hall and, you know, guys like Nelson and things like that. So, you know, I'm just excited about the work that they've done so far. And I'm excited about that visit weekend because you never know. I mean, from all the Matt Rule press conferences I've heard, you know, that guy could, uh, that guy wants to make me suit up and, you know, get on the field as soon as possible. So, I mean, I can only imagine what his recruiting pitches are. Yeah, and you know, I totally blanked. I had a point, and now I totally blanked on it. But um, here's what, yeah. So I mean, 
I know uh, Sean Callahan, this is what I wanted to bring up, but, you know, I know some people have mixed feelings about him, I, you know, but well, he's reported, you know, that's one thing is, you know, and he's been around this program a long time in Nebraska high school sports. And he said, this is basically the most star studded visit weekend that he can ever remember. So I think that's another noteworthy thing about it. And I think it's going to lead uh, to, you know, to pay dividends. We should mention, you know, we just saw this uh, came out last night, but Daniel Kalen, one of the top players in the state of Nebraska is going to be announcing his commitment today. Um, he just visited Missouri. Missouri this weekend. It was weird last week that Missouri and North Carolina both got crystal balls for him. So I'm I'm guessing it's going to be one of those two. I haven't looked at the crystal balls. Like if I if I had to guess, I would see you know maybe Missouri trending with that. You know because he just was there and announced that he wants to commit. So um, you know take it for what it is with the, the Dylan Rayola sweepstakes. But I I can almost guarantee you, and it may be difficult. But if Nebraska misses on Dylan Rayola, they're going to come back hard trying to flip uh, Daniel Kalen. I I. I guarantee it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but, uh, you know, it's just something to kind of monitor. Well, I'm also wondering if Dylan Rayola is getting all these kids to visit campus on the weekend. He is to try to, you know, get them to commit. And he's already some sort of silent commit or something like that. I don't know. But it really is interesting. You see Dylan Rayola come to campus on March 25th. And then the next thing you know, there's 18 guys, a lot of talented wide receivers and a damn good tight end. So, I mean... I really don't know. I kind of I kind of just want this to end and want this figured out so that you know, we can kind of as fans just feel easy feel a little bit, you know, easier, calmer about the whole quarterback thing and if we miss out on Kalen, which I'm kind of thinking we might. I mean, you know, I think that means that we're all in on Rayola, and, you know, if we miss on Rayola, we're going to have to, like you said, really work to try to flip Kalen. Because the thing that stands out to me is, you know, he hasn't really mentioned Nebraska in any of the interviews he's done. You know, he mentioned the crystal balls. So I don't think he's going to commit to Nebraska, but, you know, you never know. Uh, but, um, yeah, if K once Kalen commits today, I think Dylan Rayola is going to be the top target. And, Let's just hope everything works out. It's kind of nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. I mean, but, yeah, I, I do think you're right on that. It's, uh, you know, they're going to have to do some work with Kalen. But, I mean, it's he hasn't mentioned um, Nebraska at all, and, and that's probably because they, they have put all their eggs basically in the Dylan Rayola basket. And, and part of that was, you know, when – when rule and company first got here, you know, Rayola was committed to Ohio state. So Dan, Daniel Kalen probably was the top target and that changed a little bit. So, you know, look, I understand where he's coming from and, you know, I wish him the best. I think he's a really good player and uh, you know, it, it bums me out that he's not coming to Nebraska, but Nebraska has to, you have to run out that recruitment with Dylan Rayola. And so we'll just, we'll see how it goes. But at the same time, it's a long way till signing day. So, you know, I'm not willing to, you know, put it 100% that Daniel Kalen's not going to play for the Huskers because if if uh, Rayola doesn't, then I still think there's a chance that he could get flipped. So we'll see how that goes. I may be crazy, but, uh, you know, that um, that's kind of my thoughts there. So um, I do kind of have to get going here shortly. So let's uh, start wrapping things up. I did want to touch on the baseball program. Uh, we did have uh, – you know, the last game against Illinois State got canceled on Sunday due to rain, but there was a 12-0 victory, an 8-3 win. Um, also, they beat Northern Colorado. So the Huskers are kind of on a roll right now, 9-4-1. and one. So even though basketball just got over, you know, it's daylight savings time, spring forward. So it's a great time to, you know, get invested, excuse me, in uh, this baseball team. This team can hit. 
this team can really hit. So, yeah, they can. <laughs> so that's always good to see. And, you know, I think we were all worried about uh, after that first weekend, you know, what will this team be? Well, they're starting to find their identity and, you know, they can really kind of, you know, they play well as a team and they're never out of a game. So that's what you love to see. And I'll be interested to see how the rest of the season goes, but I'm very impressed with the bats so far. Yeah, it's been fun. They've been a fun team to watch. You know, they're hitting a lot of home runs, a lot of extra base hits. And, you know, with uh, the pitching, which is also pretty strong, I think it's I think Nebraska is going to have a good chance of, uh, you know, making some noise in the Big Ten this year. So um, at any rate, um, you know, make sure that you guys, uh, you know, if you like this video, if you like our Nebraska content, you know, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit the like button. It really does, you know, help make sure, you know, people see our content, more Nebraska people. Um, So, you know, get into the comments section too. let us know what you think about you know the the nit and in the future of nebraska basketball as well as this big march recruiting weekend and also uh make sure you check out huskerbigred.com for you know all of our content we're going to be previewing spring football keeping you up to date on recruiting news baseball um, and everything else that has to do uh, with the huskers so as always for chris peterson and uh danny gillette go big red go big red